This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you have your Bibles and you're open to 2 Peter chapter 3, they will get these scriptures on the screen for you. Uh, but I want you to remember that the sermon today, we're talking about what time is it and what if. And I assure you, when we get to the what if part, it will perk you up immensely. So I want us to look at this passage of scripture. In 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1, and I'm going to read for you through verse number 9, so stay patiently with us. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And I want to stop here just for a minute and say how important it is to remember that Bible prophecy doesn't begin in the New Testament. This is, this is critical for you to understand. And we're going to see where it goes all the way back to Genesis. And so Peter is reminding us of a marvelous truth here. He said that was before the prophets and the commandment of us, notice this, and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." In this particular text, Peter is reminding us not to lose track of what the Old Testament prophets said about eschatology. Now, you have that word in your bulletin today. It's a big word. It's a seminary word. I'm not using it much these days, but I do want you to be a little familiar with it because as big of a word that it is, the simple definition of this word, eschatology, simply means a study of things yet to come. 
That's what this is. And so I want you to know that God, who is the omnipotent architect of all of the ages, the whole world, has by his own divine providence, he has allowed us with clarity to be enlightened to his plan for the future, for the destruction of this old present world and the new world coming, listen carefully, that includes his eternal kingdom of which there will be no end. And make no mistake about it because one of these days, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will rule this entire earth. I want you to see a scripture in Isaiah chapter nine and verse number seven. This is one of the Old Testament prophecies concerning what I have just mentioned to you. One of these days, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will rule this earth without question and without end. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, I've had several people to ask me from time to time in our prophecy series, Pastor, where does it say that Jesus will rule and reign from the throne of David? Here it is right here. It's clear as day. When Jesus comes in the revelation, and don't confuse the rapture with the revelation, there are two different things altogether, but when Jesus returns in the revelation, we'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment perhaps, but when he does this, he will defeat the Antichrist in the battle of Armageddon, he will then lead the sainted millions down the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. We will cross the Kidron Valley. Jesus will lead us through the Eastern Gate and he will take his place upon the throne of David as you read in the scripture right here where he will rule and reign during the millennium for 1,000 years. I'm not preaching on the millennium today or the revelation of Jesus Christ. But this is the scripture that gives us the assurance that Jesus in this new world coming, he will include in his government of which there will be no end and an eternal peace. And so something very important to remember at the time that this scripture was written, keep that in mind. The time that the scripture was written, over one-fourth of this Bible is prophecy. I want you to remember that. Over one-fourth of the scripture is prophecy. And so Peter also says that not only were the prophets enlightened to prophecy, but he says that the apostles were also enlightened to prophecy. And what he reinforces sounding alarm that all scripture is true. We're told in the word that all scripture is given to us by the inspiration of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind this, that many things that we call prophecy, many things that are prophecy in the word of God has already been fulfilled. 
That's very important to remember. And there are many things yet still to be fulfilled. Now, in this particular text, our foundational text in 2 Peter, he jumps all in with this thing about the last days. And that's what this series is all about. The last days, the end of time. When will Jesus come? When will he return? He says this in this particular scripture that when the end was near, he said, number one, on your bulletin today, and I want you to pay very close attention to it. He says, in the last days, there would be scoffers and mockers, multitudes walking after their own lust. And I will assure you that the last days is a hot topic of debate going on all throughout the world today. And there are people who believe that this is the time that we're living in right now, the last days. And I want you to know that I personally put myself into this category. I personally believe that we are living in the last of the last days. There are some people who believe that Jesus is coming, but not until thousands of years way out in the eons of time. Then there are those who do not believe that he's coming at all. They don't believe in any part of this word. In fact, they go as far as to say that anybody who believes that Jesus is coming again is a total fool. They say the earth is just spinning like it's always been spinning and like it always will be spinning. They say, you preachers keep preaching all of this doomsday stuff. I, I want to clarify something. The end time series that we're talking about, these are not doomsday messages. I'm talking about the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's nothing about doomsday about that for a believer. Can somebody say amen? People have been preaching, they say, for thousands of years and nothing has happened. And they say all kinds of people have even gone as far. And this is some of the, the critics that I get at times, especially during the times that we preach these prophetic sermons. I've heard people say, you know what, preacher? This thing about Jesus coming again and, and all of this prophecy stuff in the Bible, there have been people that has gone as far as to set dates that Jesus was supposed to come here and supposed to come there or that the world was going to end here and the world was going to end there. And let me say that is true and it's sad. But some people have taken the word of God completely out of context and put some rude and cruel study to it and have come up with all kinds of things. People have made bold predictions about the exact date Jesus would come, about the exact time he would come, about the exact place where he would come. But listen carefully. That is a total embarrassment to the scripture. It's a total embarrassment, I believe, to the real church of God and to God himself. Because the word of God is clear that no one knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming. I want you to see this scripture in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 36. Look at it carefully. They will get it on the screen. Stay close to your handout this morning. The Bible says this, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So don't spend your money investing in people or books or literature or whatever it may be. When somebody says, I know the day, I know the hour, I know the time. Listen, don't waste your money. 
It's not true. It's against the word of God. And all you need is the Bible. But for those of us who are saved, listen carefully. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But those of us who are saved, we believe in the scriptures. We do know for sure that he is coming. That's one thing we do know. In fact, I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 34. The Bible says, and I love this. I share this scripture most every time we have communion here in our church. Because when I find this particular scripture, I find probably the three most precious words that Jesus ever spoke in this particular text. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home and that ye come not together unto condemnation. And notice this, and the rest will I set in order, notice these last three words, when I come. Aren't you glad it didn't say if I come? He said when I come. So Jesus over and over in the word of God has given us blessed assurance that he's coming again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Can somebody say amen? Over and over throughout the word of God, Jesus teaches us that he is going to come again. But there are multitudes of people who do not believe this and who are laughing and mocking themselves straight to hell. This is exactly what Peter's talking about, what would happen in the last days, that there would be mockers and there would be scoffers, people ridiculing the prophecies about Jesus coming again. There are some people on this earth who have made up their minds that no matter what, No matter what, you cannot even take the Bible and show them that no matter what, they're going to reject the prophecy of Jesus returning. And they will continue to reject that this book is the inspired word of God. Believe me, there are many people walking this earth today who have a Bible who do not believe that this Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God. Many people are like that today. And by the multitudes... Jesus gave us these emphatic words. He said, just like it was in the days of Noah, he said, so it is today. I want you to see this in Matthew 24. Let's look there again. I'm going to read for you verse 36 through 39. But I want you to understand that Jesus himself described the conditions of what life was going to be like on the earth prior to his return. Right before his return, Jesus said, this is what is going to be happening on the earth In Matthew 24, we'll look at it again. I'll read verse 36 through 39 this time. The word says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Look at verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so Peter here in this text has given us some eye-opening considerations as the last days are 
unrelentlessly unleashed. He encourages us to hang on as believers, to keep the faith, to listen to the word of God and not to doubt it. Sometimes it's easy to doubt the word. And I don't know about you, you, you've heard sermons for years, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. You've heard sermons about Jesus returning and maybe you've even questioned yourself, where is he? But Peter is admonishing us. I would admonish you not to doubt because just as it was foretold by the prophets and the apostles, Jesus talked about it himself. And I can tell you today with great confidence in the word of God, he is coming again. Somebody say amen. But the time that ushers his return in, I want you to understand it will be devastating. There will be chaos all over the world right before he comes. There will be pestilences. I'm not going to go through all the signs of the times this morning. That's not the message in this particular sermon. But I look out across his congregation and every one of us has the possession of a mask. It's all over the world. You need to understand that COVID-19 is a pestilence. And Jesus said right before he comes, there would be great pestilence all over the world. Now you think about this. You can go back to the swine flu, you can go all the way back to AIDS, the AIDS epidemic, and we could just name some things right off the bat. None of those things has ever touched us like this. This particular thing that we are experiencing today is happening all over the world. And Jesus said, prior to my coming, these kind of things would be happening. Not only that, he said there would be earthquakes in diverse places. Again, I don't have time to go through all of that. That's not the message today. But I will tell you that this 6.4 earthquake that took place in Kevin Brown's hometown in Croatia, it wasn't just a coincidence. These kind of things are happening all over the world as well today. And we are seeing these things happen like never before. So please understand this and let me move quickly to number two, that God is not up in heaven making all of the happenings on the earth up right now. Everything that's going on on this earth today has been prophesied, clearly prophesied. Listen, Peter tells us that the, it was prophesied by the prophets. It was known and told to the apostles and declared by Jesus himself. And so listen very carefully. God has been on time with everything ever since the beginning of his revealed time to us. This is important. His revealed time to us. And that's what we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about. And he wants us to trust his word. He wants us to trust the prophets. He wants us to trust the apostles. He wants us to trust the Lord Jesus. So that being the case, then what time is it according to the word of God? Look at Isaiah chapter 46, and I want to show you something in verse number nine. And this is probably one of the most eye-opening passages of scripture that I could give you. But again... Peter says that prophecy was known by the prophets of old. Not only by the prophets of old, but was revealed to the apostles. But I want you to see this particular verse. In my sermon series on end times, I've not shared this scripture with you before. 
And so it's a blessing for me to introduce this particular passage in this series right now. Look at this, Isaiah 46, verse nine. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I want you to understand. Listen, I'm glad that we live in a free society where everybody can believe whatever they want to believe. Somebody could believe that a rock is God. Somebody could believe that a tree is God. Somebody could believe in a mountain is God. And I thank God we have the freedom and the right to believe that Jehovah God is God. Listen, we live in a society today where that is still a religious liberty. I want you to understand something as this message goes forth today. There is no other God but Jehovah. There is no other God like God. You can pray to anybody and anything you want to, but there is only one God. Somebody say amen. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Now look, here is the scripture that I want you to see. Declaring the end from the beginning. God's revealed time to us goes back to Genesis. And so he says, I am, look at this very carefully, declaring the end, the last days. When will Jesus come? What time is it? He said, I'm going to declare the end from the beginning. Look at this. From ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. Rest assured that God has a plan. He has a purpose and he will keep his word. Number three, quickly. I believe that God began to reveal his ticking clock of time to us way back in Genesis. You don't have to read Revelation to get a Thimble full of what he's talking about. We can go all the way back to Genesis. In fact, prophecy is not something that God ever wanted to keep a secret from us. I know it's difficult to understand. I know you have to search the scriptures, but God never intended to hide prophecy from us. Prophecy is not codes of scripture that God uh, has put mysteriously in the word of God and he's wanting us to investigate. That's not what it's about altogether at all. When you study the nature of God, listen carefully. When you study the nature of God and the ministry and the words of Jesus, when you study him, do you remember what the scripture said when Paul said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection? To know him, you've got to get in this book. To know God, you've got to read his word. To know God, you've got to kneel in prayer and you've got to talk to him. To know God, you have to help have the helper of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you in all truth. Listen now, you've got to know God. And Paul said that I might know him. When you study him, when you study him carefully through the word, listen carefully, it's always been presented in the word in such a way that we could, that we would, and that we should walk in the light. God never has ever wanted us to walk in darkness. That includes Bible prophecy. God has never wanted us to walk in darkness, 
ever, period. In fact, there's a scripture that I'm adding to the sermon today, and you might want to write this down as a reference, and I'll give it to the fellows in the back for the first time right now. It's John chapter 8 and verse number 2. Listen carefully. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This is the thing. When it comes to Bible prophecy, God has never intended for us as believers to walk in darkness. Never, ever. When you study him, when you know him, when you search him out, he has never wanted us as believers to walk in darkness. God has revealed prophecy to us that we can be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a very precious scripture in the book of Amos. Some of you may not even know where Amos is in the Bible. Maybe your pages are so stuck you you can't get them open to that. But Amos chapter 3 and verse number 7, they will get the scripture on the screen. If you have your Bibles, it's precious to turn to. The Bible says, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So God has never intended for us to walk in darkness. And his ticking time clock of Bible prophecy began, I believe, all the way back in the book of Genesis. This means that God has no intentions of keeping anything from us. Amos said that God revealed his secrets to his prophets. Now keep in mind that Moses was a prophet. And Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wrote what is called the Pentateuch, or in the Jewish world, the Torah. So keep this in mind. Number four, quickly. No one knows for sure but I want to ask the question, what if? So I want you to understand something today. What I'm getting ready to share with you right now, and it will be pretty much of an introduction going into next Sunday. You have to keep this in mind. Because what I'm getting ready to share with you right now, I have no definitive scripture to base this upon. But I've given myself a huge margin to think. And for you to think as well, what if this is not gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To know him as your personal savior. But listen carefully, what if? What if God has a 7,000 year plan for human history? And I want you to think about something. Because God does not compute time like we do. We all know that. God does not compute time like we do. In fact, again, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8, the scripture says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And I want you to see something really quick here for a moment. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 1 through 5, this is important. That's why I want them to get these scriptures on the screen for you and turn as quick as you can. Time is of the essence. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 5, the Bible says this. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Let me pause here just for a minute. The day of the Lord is not the rapture. The day of the Lord is the revelation. And the revelation, there will be people who will be taken far by surprise. But this particular passage is not about the rapture. For when they shall say in verse 3, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Again, I want to emphasize, it has never been God's plan for his children to walk in darkness. Never. He has come to give us light that we might walk in the light. That the day, look at this, brethren, you're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So listen, when Jesus returns in the rapture, don't get this confused. He is not coming as a thief in the night in the rapture. I want you to understand that when Jesus returns in the rapture, we have been instructed all throughout the New Testament to watch and to look for the coming of the Lord. We are taught in the scriptures to be prepared for the coming of the Lord, that when he comes that we would not be ashamed. We are taught in the word in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8. Paul said, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. We are taught to look and to pray for the blessed hope. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So when it comes to the rapture, when it comes to the believer and the church, he's not coming for us as a thief in the night. Why? Because we have been watching, we have been praying, we have been looking for his return. He doesn't come as a thief when we're looking for him. So I want you to understand this. When he comes in the rapture, it will appear to the world, to the lost, to those who are without Christ, that a thief has come and stolen millions upon millions of people, but he will not come to the church. He will not come to the believer in the rapture as a thief. So remember, God has given us the Bible. He's given us Bible prophecy in order for us to be prepared, to be ready when he returns. Now, we do not know the day. We do not know the hour, but we do know some of the signs. And in Matthew chapter 24, Peter asked Jesus, what shall be the sign of thy coming? And from chapter 24 through chapter 25, Jesus gave mountains of information about the signs of his coming. And number five, real quickly, I want to share with you the possibility, and this is the what if, and I emphasize the what if. What if God has a thousand, seven thousand year prophetic calendar of human history? And think about this. What if he does? Now, if he doesn't, it doesn't change anything. But what if he does? And this is where those of you that are watching there, you're going to pay very, very close attention. If the dog is barking, if the coffee pot's perking ready, listen, don't be distracted. 
You, you, here's where you need to pay close attention. I want to explain something to you this morning because most every Bible student who studies the Bible learns this in the first year of seminary. Every Bible student. And that is what is called the law of first mention. This is imperative for me in my study to preach, to pastor, to teach is imperative. Anybody that would stand and, and teach correctly the word of God, they would have to understand what is called the law of first mention. They would have to. Because if anybody doesn't understand that, they can get all kinds of things twisted up, turned around, taken out of context. You, you just have a big mess. If, if a teacher, a pastor, a preacher did not clearly understand this thing called the law of first mention, and this is important to know as we move a little farther. The law of first mention, now, it's a guideline for studying the scripture. And we're taught over and over in the word to study to show ourselves approved. So listen carefully. The law of first mention means this, that in order to understand a particular word or doctrine, then we have to revert back to the place where those things were first mentioned in the scripture. And so when a critical word or a particular doctrine is mentioned in the scripture for the first time, the rest of the scripture follows this lead. And if you cannot get that principle, you can take scripture out of context. And so I'm going to give you a very important thought based upon the law of first mention. I realize I'm teaching here and I realize I'm going a little bit over some heads. I realize that, but this is imperative because what I'm going to say at this point and moving forward, it's all based upon the law of first mention. And I want you to think about this very important what if, and I want you to underline that. What if God has a 7,000 year plan for human history? What if? Again, I want you to keep in mind that a thousand years to us is like one day to God. And now it's amazing when you stop and study all of the things that are built and based upon the number seven. Don't lose me here. This is important. What if? And I underline that. What if? When you study God that I might know him, when you know him and you study him and you learn of him, when you study these attributes of God, God has always, always worked with the number seven, always. First of all, we know that there were seven days of creation. Remember what I told you? That we could know the end from the beginning and that it would take us all the way back to Genesis. Think about the days of creation. Now, we know that on the sixth day, God created man. And then we must, we must get this. It wasn't just, okay, he's finished and done. No, the word of God says, and on the seventh day, he rested. The seventh day was just as important as day one, two, three, four, five, and six. The seventh day, he rested. So there's seven elements in the day or days of creation. Now I want you to follow this number seven quickly and I'll have to go 
way past my time here, just for a minute. Think with me now. The children of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho. How many, seven, how many times? Seven times. Naaman was told to dip in the Jordan seven times. There are seven sabbatical years in Israel. And every seven years, God said, give the land a rest. Then there were seven sevens of years, and after that was the year of Jubilee. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, verses 11 through 12, the children of Israel were in captivity for 70 years. Seventy weeks are mentioned in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. In Revelation, there are seven churches, seven angels, seven thunders, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plagues. And having mentioned all of this, it's clear how God works in sevens. Now listen very carefully, because God is God. That means God can do anything he wants to do. The word says, and we read it just a moment ago, that there was none else but him. He was God and God alone. Now, God, because he's omnipotent, can do anything he wants to do. I understand this. So if God wanted to start in Genesis and work in sevens all throughout the scripture and get into Revelation and work into sevens all throughout the book of the Revelation from the beginning to the end, if God wanted to start working differently than what he has been. He could because he's God and he can do anything and everything he wants to do. But we have to remember the scripture that he said he was God and that he would not change. I am the Lord God and I change not. So if he's the same yesterday, today and forever, and all of this stuff started in Genesis and it has a plan going through all the way through the book of Revelation, God could, if he wanted to stop and change everything. But I tell you, he's already declared in his word that he was not going to change. Somebody say amen. So here we go all the way back to Genesis. And there are many scholars that believe going all the way back to Genesis, Genesis, which speaks Genesis chapter one, which speaks of the seven days of creation, that somehow it corresponds to the 7,000 years of human history, believing that there would be 6,000 years of human history followed by a 1,000 year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. Now we do know that for fact. So what time is it? Well, I've come to the conclusion of today. What time is it? And what if you will not want to miss next Sunday's message? What time is it and what if? Thinking about everything we've talked about thus far and how God works with the number seven all the way back in his revealed time to us. And how he worked from that point all the way through the scriptures until the revelation. Now, if he got to this point and he told John, for the last time, lay down your pen. It's all over. And John said, amen. Laid his pen down. If God had wanted to, or if he did, chose at this point to work differently. He can do it. He's God. But he said he wouldn't change. And you can travel all the way back from Revelation and work your way back all the way to Genesis. And you can find how God worked in this. Now listen, I'm saying with great emphasis, 
what if. I pray that the Lord will give us time to get through this message and its conclusion next Sunday. I don't know. It may be a third part. The thing that I want to end the message today with this, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but we know he's coming. And the word says to be watching and waiting, looking for the blessed hope. He will not come for you as a thief. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.